0: You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Severable, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today is part one in the series, What's Your Word for 2023, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, what an awesome time of worship to start the year today. So glad that you're here to be a part of this. And I want to ask you to please find in your Bible, Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23. And I'm going to share with you today my word for 2023. I love New Year's Day. In fact, it's my favorite day of the year. Have I ever told you that before? Today is my favorite day of the year uh, because the beginning of a new year is not some human construct. Uh, God ordained in creation that the earth in its orbit around the sun would take about 365 days to complete that revolution and then it begins again and today is the day that we mark uh, that The cycle is beginning again. I've always loved this day. Uh, It's always been uh, sort of stimulating to me in a lot of different ways spiritually and mentally because God built it into the natural world that, that we get a natural reset as we start another trip around the sun. We turn the page on a new year that's full of possibility and, and promise and potential. And so I think we ought to view the beginning of the year as a gift from God, a chance to do better and to be better. Uh, to that end, uh, I've always uh, really thought about what are my goals, what's my focus, what needs to change in the new year. There have been many years in the past that I wrote out New Year's resolutions and I'm kind of a pack rat, I keep all that stuff. I've looked back and there are some years I've had as many as 10 New Year's resolutions. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Nobody can keep up with all of that but 10 year New Year's resolutions, here's what I've found. I've found along with a lot of other people that one word is more effective for me. It's amazing how the focus of just a single word can lead to habits and rhythms and changes and goals that last a lot longer for me than a New Year's resolution. And so this year, uh, as in years before, I prayed about a word, a single word that summarizes my focus and my commitment as I try to live for the Lord in 2023. I'm going to share that with you. But first, do you have a word for 2023? I put that out on social media this week. And uh, I I got a lot of different responses asking people to share their word with me. Uh, I got the word discipline. Someone said obedience. About five people said intentional. That's a really good word to guide a year. Kindness. Surrender. Rescue. Uh, I really like this one. Try. That's an honest word for a new year. I'm just going to try. Another said perseverance. Someone said believe. Another person said run. And then in parenthesis, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. About running this race of faith. That's a good word. Uh, I don't think they were talking about jogging. All right. Someone else said, available. That's a really good word. Someone said, prayer. Another person just put Psalm 131 and whatever that means to them. So I'm going to ask you to at least pray about a word for 2023. It doesn't have to be profound. Uh, In fact, uh, one friend told me that his father said, uh, hey, I don't have a word for 2023, just really a phrase And he said, well, what is that, dad? He said, try not to kill anybody this year. And so whatever yours may be, try to shrink it down to one word that really summarizes that. And uh, I want to share my word with you today for the purpose of accountability and uh, so that you can hold me to it throughout this year. Uh, I want you to feel free to ask me how it's going with my word and, and I'll... I'll try to be honest with you about that if I'm living out the commitment that this word represents. My word this year is the word authentic. Authentic. I want you to learn with me today about being authentic from the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. Uh, I'm going to give you the second part of this sermon next week. It's a two-parter, okay? And then Lord willing... On January the 15th, I'm gonna begin a series of sermons uh, that's gonna take us through the month of February on what Jesus said about what's coming in the end times. And so I'm calling it Begin with the End in Mind. And, and we're literally at the beginning of the year gonna to look toward the end because if that's clear for us, it can really define and shape uh, how we live today. And what's important for us today if we begin with the end in mind. So we'll be, in fact, in the next two chapters, uh, Matthew 24 and 25, it's called the Olivet Discourse. It's, I think, sort of an overlooked passage of Scripture where Jesus just teaches his disciples. Here's what's coming next in the end times. And so, uh, Lord willing, that's January 15th. But today... On this first day of 23, let's read from Matthew 23, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they're the teachers of the law of Moses. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teacher, For one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. I think the key word in this chapter is that word in verse 13, hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's really the opposite of my word for 2023, authentic. Jesus, as you'll see next week, is going to use that word hypocrite several more times in this sermon that he gave in chapter 23. By the way, uh, this is uh, the final sermon, the last sermon that Jesus ever gave in public. Isn't that interesting? That instead of choosing for his last public sermon, the subject of love or salvation, he chose to talk about being authentic instead of being a hypocrite. Interesting. Uh, But Jesus used this word hypocrite here in verse 13. It's a word Jesus borrowed from his culture, and possibly from his own experience. Archaeologists have discovered uh, a Roman-built city called Sephora uh, that was uh, very close. It could be seen from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. And in that city, they have unearthed a Roman-built amphitheater. It's very, very large. It could seat hundreds and hundreds of people And that was the place where actors would put on plays. And those actors and actresses were called hypocrites or hypocrites. They wore masks so that the audience could identify different characters that they pretended to be. Sometimes they would have two or three masks that they would hold up at different times pretending to be. That character. And so Jesus took that word and used it to talk about spiritual acting, spiritual pretending. And so here's what we get we get in this sermon a rebuke of the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day, but we also get a call to not be that way, but instead to be authentic. In the way that we live our lives. And so uh, let me give you a couple of clues. About hypocrisy versus authenticity. So first hypocrisy means that there's a contradiction. Between what you say and what you do. And that's not good. There's a contradiction between what you say you believe. And how you live your life. So on the flip side of that. Authenticity means that what you say is confirmed by what you do. In other words, you're believable because what you say you believe, you're actually living it out. Look back to verse 3. Jesus said about those scribes and Pharisees, For they say and do not do. Have you ever heard someone say, Do as I say and not as I do? Uh, that, there's something very wrong and very dishonest about that kind of attitude. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means there's a contradiction between what you say and what you do, and that contradiction makes what you say unbelievable. No wonder Emerson wrote, What you do speaks so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. It matters. The way that we live it out. So think about how that kind of contradiction between what we say and what we do just can discredit our faith. Uh, When my mouth says Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but my behavior doesn't resemble much of Jesus at all, I'm just confusing people by what I say. When I talk about the love of Jesus, but then I'm a jerk at work. And I'm a pain to live with at home. My walk and my talk are disconnected. And and I can't be believed. Uh, When I sing, Jesus, I love you more than anything. But it's obvious to those close to me that I love a lot of things more than I love Jesus. Then I'm just living a lie. You see, what you really believe, you do. Everything else is just a bunch of religious talk. Uh, We also learned this in this chapter. Hypocrisy means that your external presentation conceals your internal reality. and We're going to see this more next week. But on the flip side of that, authenticity means the external, how you present yourself, reveals... What is on the inside? And spiritually speaking, this is how it ought to be. In verse 28 of this chapter, uh, Jesus said to the religious leaders, You outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy. You see the inside versus the outside. And remember, hypocrites were actors on a stage wearing a mask and playing a role. And when the performance was over, they would take off the mask. Some people wear a religious mask when they're around Christian friends. And they have their Christian vocabulary and their Christian act and their Christian smile. But when they're around other friends, they take off the mask. And then when they're at church or around other Christians, they put the mask back on. And they play the role of a good little Christian again. Can I just say this? If you think that impresses Jesus even a little, you are dreaming. That's so far from what Jesus has called us to. Jesus has called us to live a life that's not perfect this side of heaven, but distinctively different from the world around us. Jesus has called us to live a life where we don't try to conceal our problems and pretend that we're perfect. In fact, he calls us to something that's the opposite of that. To admit that in and of ourselves, we are sinful and messed up and broken. And we desperately need the grace of God to cover our sins, to forgive our sins, so that we can be at liberty to live authentically and genuinely, And a life that's real to others around us. Here's the deal. When we stop acting and drop the mask, then we're at liberty in Christ to be authentic and to live out our faith in a genuine way that's not only believable, it's like a magnet to those who are seeking the truth. Uh, People who are seeking the truth and seeking God and seeking answers are repelled by hypocrisy, but being authentic is like a magnet to them. I want to be more that way. Remember who Jesus was talking about here, scribes and Pharisees. Uh, These were supposed to be the most godly, righteous people in Judaism, but instead it turns out for the most part they were just playing a role. And so it's tempting to think That the main idea of what Jesus says here in Matthew 23 is a way that you can spot a hypocrite, a way that you can know somebody else is being a hypocrite. But I think it's the opposite. I think for us, this is one of those places in the Bible that's like a mirror. And when we look into it, we can check ourselves to see, am I being hypocritical? Is there something about me that's fake and it's really not real? I'm saying one thing, but I'm doing another. And so Jesus gives us some indicators of hypocrisy. And I want to wind it up like this. According to Jesus, let me give you four things. According to Jesus, you might be a hypocrite if, number one, You make demands of others that you do not apply to yourself. Uh, Here's where I find that. Verse 4. Jesus is talking about these religious leaders. He said, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. What's he talking about? Well, these are all the rules. All these long, burdensome lists of regulations and do's and don'ts that You have to keep all of these rules if you want God to like you. If you want to earn his favor, you have to do all of these things. But listen to this. It says, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So the Pharisees were piling up massive amounts of religious rules on the people's backs. So heavy that no one could possibly bear it. And they were just setting people up for failure. And they were unwilling, Jesus said, to lift a finger to help anybody live it out. They just told them the rules. And and that's so unlike what Jesus taught, isn't it? Jesus came bringing grace and forgiveness and mercy. Jesus came to relieve the burden of trying to earn salvation with good behavior. Jesus said, all who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. The Pharisees hated that kind of grace and that kind of mercy. Why? Because it blew up their whole system of behavior-based righteousness, which they used to keep people under their control. Uh, The Pharisees demanded that others be perfectly righteous, something they did not have the ability to do themselves. And that's a major, listen to this, as we look into Scripture, this is a major indication of hypocrisy in our lives. We make excuses for ourselves that we don't give to others. We hold others to a high standard, but we lower that standard when it's not convenient for us personally. Expecting others to forgive you quickly when you fail, but withholding your forgiveness when others fail. Condemning others for doing things that you do when nobody's looking. That is hypocrisy. Congress can pass laws and then exempt themselves from it, but as Christians, we can't do that. Indicator number two that he gives us is you may be a hypocrite if you care more about what other people think about you than what God knows about you. According to verse five, the scribes and the Pharisees did what they did religiously for recognition, not for the glory of God, not for the love of others, but to put on a little religious act in front of people to get them noticed and to buy them respect. Uh, Jesus said in verse 5, something that sounds strange to us, that they make their phylacteries wide and their prayer tassels long. On all of these scribes and Pharisees, you would find these phylacteries. These were little leather boxes uh, that they would strap to their hand or bind around their forehead. Those little boxes contained little scrolls with Bible verses on them. And, and so it became a contest with these religious guys to see who can have the biggest phylactery. And it, it got to be ridiculous, enormous, shoebox-sized things on their hands and, and on their forehead, so they couldn't even see where they were going. And, and yet... All of this was to put on a show. It had nothing to do with actually living out Scripture. It had everything to do uh, with everyone noticing them and saying, Wow, look how holy that guy is. And Jesus said they enlarged the borders of their garment. This refers, I think, to the prayer tassels that uh, were at the corner of the garment of every Jewish man in those days. And, And so they would uh, make their prayer tassels long, ridiculously long, so that when people saw them, they would say, wow, that guy must really pray a lot. It wasn't about prayer. It was all about making other people notice them and respect them. And so uh, Jesus is teaching here, uh, not not that, that we should never perform acts of service or do good deeds publicly or pray public prayers, but he's teaching that Listen, He knows your motive. He knows when it's real, and He knows when it's fake. And He knows why we do what we do, whether we're giving Him glory or we're trying to get glory for ourselves. The Pharisees, uh, we find out in verse 6, they were obsessed with keeping up appearances. Uh, Verse 6 reveals these people were obsessed with position, They wanted to have the best seats, the seats of honor. They wanted to be the VIP in every crowd. Verse 7 states that they were obsessed with recognition and and titles. They wanted to be called rabbi and father and teacher because that meant they were the smartest person in the room. And, And that might have impressed others, but I'm telling you, it did not impress God. Think about this. Jesus never demanded to be called the King of Kings, though He was. He never demanded to be called Messiah, though He was. Instead, Jesus referred to Himself as the Son of Man, which is a humble title. It indicates humility and servanthood. And we ought to follow that example, right? To be more concerned with what God knows about us than what people think about us. Indicator number three. You might be a hypocrite if you crave authority, but avoid service. If you crave authority, but avoid service. Uh, Verse 11, Jesus said, But he who is greatest among you shall be your what? Your servant. The scribes and Pharisees wanted all the authority and none of the responsibility. They wanted to tell people what to do and set everybody straight and enforce the rules. But they didn't want to be under anyone else's authority. They assumed that greatness in the kingdom of God means bossing everybody else around. But Jesus stated greatness in the kingdom of God is actually Humbling yourself and becoming a servant to other people. And let me just keep it real this morning. One way that this is often manifested in hypocrites, and I've seen this in myself, is in a critical complaining spirit. I've found... That people who talk about what should be done and when it's not done right and they're always concerned and burdened when the time comes to work, they're nowhere to be found. They want to run things, mainly they want to run their mouths. Indicator number four, here's the last thing. You might be a hypocrite if this sermon makes you angry. I like what Jack Taylor used to say. He used to say, the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you mad. I tend to agree. How did the scribes and Pharisees respond to what Jesus said? Did they say, oh, Jesus, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We repent. No. They were so angry at what he said that they arrested him that week that he preached this sermon. They put him through a mock trial and they demanded that the Romans crucify him. Now, uh, you may be thinking, Dan, who, who do you think you are to tell me that I'm a hypocrite? I'll tell you who I am. I'm a recovering hypocrite. I'm a guy who has to remind myself that I desperately need the grace of God to keep me from becoming a Pharisee. And I'll just be honest with you, it's, it's an occupational hazard for a pastor. That the, the longer you're in ministry, the, the more times, the more reps you get telling people how to live their lives the more the thoughts creep in. I'm talking about as I get older, more and more. Why don't people listen? Why don't they do what I say they ought to do? Why don't things go my way? Thoughts of entitlement. I deserve fill in the blank. And I don't wanna be that guy. That's why I'm telling this to you today. For the sake of accountability. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want pastor to be a role that I play when I'm around church members. I want it to come from the heart. I don't want Christian to be an act that I put on with all the pressure that comes with that to stay in character when others are looking at me. I want it to be real. And so my word for 2023 is authentic. I want it to be authentic. And uh, I tell you what I really love about this passage that I've read today is that in verse 12, Jesus tells us exactly, here's how you keep it real. This is the antidote to hypocrisy. In verse 12, Jesus said, And whoever humbles himself will be exalted, or Flip it. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so this is the key. To put ourselves let me say it about me. To put myself in my place under the authority of Jesus as a servant to other people under the hand of God that's where I belong in the Christian life I don't tell Jesus what to do it's the other way around I'm not leading him he leads me and I follow along in obedience I don't make the rules he makes the rules and I follow out of love and so Humble yourself and you will be exalted. Um, That's my commitment. And that's why my word is authentic this year. And so here's what I want to do as we close. I want to to begin this year by humbling myself in front of you. And uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Let's all stand together. And uh, Lindsay's going to come and Lead us as we sing. Our pastors are going to come and be here to help you, to pray with you, whatever your commitment might be today. It could be that you would say, you know what, my commitment is I need to humble myself before God because I'm a sinner and I need salvation. I need to be saved. And and if so, we would love to help you and to lead you in what that means and, and how Your life can be changed today. It could be there's something you need to pray about and and you need to say, God, no more pretending. No more putting on the mask, taking off the mask. I just want it to be real with you. Here's what I've found. If you want God to be real to you, you need to get real with Him. And so it could be that's your commitment today. Uh, My commitment is, Lord, whatever it takes... I want it to be authentic. I want it to come from the heart, and I want it to be real. And so I'm, I'm going to respond. And, and this whole time, you didn't know, I'm preaching to me, not you. So uh, I'm going to respond. And uh, if you join me, then that's great too. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it draws us in and calls us to be real. And Lord, I pray you would have your way with us in these precious moments as we pray, as we respond to you, as we sing our commitment, however you lead. God, I pray what we do right now will glorify you. And one more thing. Lord, it could be there's someone here today who on the first day of the year just wants a fresh start to reach out to you, to have you in their life and and not really knowing what all that means. But I pray, God, for that person today, you'd make yourself real to them. Whoever's come here seeking forgiveness and redemption, salvation, salvation, God, I pray they'd find it by calling on Jesus today. Whoever it is that's made the big mistake this year, and they just need you to make it right and to cleanse them and forgive them, I pray that's what they'd find as they call on Jesus. I pray you'd move them to come and speak with one of our pastors. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.